Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Osiris. All right, we're live. Good morning, everybody. We have people in the waiting room. People are waiting. Today on 40 for 40, we are going to ponder questions such as, what is the purpose of this 40 for 40 series? And... Do we have an obligation to share the best, most amazing shows from each year? Or do we not have that obligation? And there are course, no obligations other than to do one show from each year. That's it. And of course, as I will finish, we will answer the question, is this still Lawn Boy? Um, guys, this is the best. This is like the best weekend of the year. And I'm just so glad to be here with you all. I really appreciate your what's felt like a pre-written intro to the show. It was tight. It was compact, even with interruption. It, uh, it, it rolled <laughs> quite nicely. I, I really appreciated that. Can Thanks. you add that to your, uh, list of to do's for each week? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I don't have enough. Day. I don't have enough to do. So I might, yeah, I need a couple more items. Um, okay. So guys, like Galen Druk, I appreciate it very much. That's I want to tell you guys something, Brian, I want to tell you something. First of all, I've never looked at, um, you know, you guys know we have sponsors and we have supporters and we have we have to like, you know, look at our numbers once in a while just to like make sure that we're delivering for our people. But I've never looked back through the past 11 years of our numbers. And I did that this week. And we um, we are closing in on two million downloads of the Helping Friendly podcast. And wow. we're at one point eight five or seven million right now as of huge, this week huge. and so we'll probably hit two million maybe by the end of the year which is pretty wild so i just want to tell you guys that it's a lot of downloads that's amazing it's pretty ridiculous i don't know what's wrong with people 
a lot of time on their hands and they just need to know <laughs> yeah. they need more fish hot and cold takes you know what i mean it's yeah. just we gotta make people busier is really what it is yeah it is um people are trying to you know enjoy people don't want to work dishes. they just want to listen to hf pod i know i know it's also. ridiculous so true. But we, we couldn't have done it, obviously, without any of you. Um, so thank you. I just want to, before we get into 2017, which is, of course, why we're here, I just want to tell you that I don't think we, last week, we didn't, um, or I didn't appropriately shout out Matt Dwyer for being, for joining the pod in 2016 and making everything different and better again, like Jonathan did when he joined in 2014. And um, I kind of like view the eras of HF pod and similar i mean i think there's been four eras and they they don't correspond with the eras of fish because we weren't here in 1987 but <laughs> to, to kick off the first tour um, really poor excuse i know i know we didn't we didn't do our run at nectars in 87 but um we had 1.0 which was me and brad right and then 2.0 is when jonathan joined 3.0 is when Matt joined, and that's when like things started to be professionalized a little bit more. Matt was like organized and keeping us on task and making it sound better. And then this is we're in the 4.0 era now with with the four of us. So this is this 2017 though reminded me this is when like things were really in full swing. Jonathan, you mentioned it was the first time we did a live event. Um was around the yeah. Baker's Dozen, which was crazy. There were like so on many people night. there. Cinnamon night. On cinnamon night, people showed up. It was night. wild. So, sugar night, whatever that was. I love 20, 2017. Um, Me too. Guys, can we? We're going to do something a little different this week with the voicemail because we have a lot of them. So I'm going to kind of weave them in the discussion because they touch on different points. But we have a we have a, a kind of continuation of um, of last week's. Uh, remember the bagel guy? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> he has a he just has a follow up. So I just want to I wanted to start <laughs> just real quick if that's okay with you guys and just he 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 wanted to say something else. Nope. Don't even think about it. Not today. Not today, guys. Not on this day. Hey, uh, me again. Um, just in case you thought I was only about you know uh, a reverend humor, like including. Um, Sleeping through the secret, secret set, or my adult baby friend with the cream cheese on his face. And I will tell you that, you know, fish, uh, a lot of times I've linked it, as we all have, to um, major moments in our lives. And summer 2017, I was turning 40 at the end of the summer. Uh, life was really good. Great wife, great kids, great job, really happy. And um, and so, you know, it's kind of like a reflective summer. And I actually, in the mid-90s, I started seeing fish, and in the late 90s, I started hiking um, a list of uh, 4,000 footers in New Hampshire, 48 of them. And coming up to uh, the Baker's Dozen, I got into a situation where uh, the way it worked, my hiking buddies' plans was that uh, we were going to hike my 48th mountain on Sunday, and uh, we did. We summited the mountain, the final mountain, maybe 1 p.m., and then what two and three days later i went to my 99th and 100th show uh at msg uh jam filled and powdered so uh you know, you know like you like to you, you sometimes your hobbies whether they whatever they might be sometimes linked to uh to your life and this was just you know an incredible storm of um of you know me you know getting to the top of that mountain and then you know two, three and a half days later, walking in the gate to MSG to my 100 show. So, um, all right, I'll talk to you uh, next week about 2018, <laughs> probably something stupid. 
Uh, I love that we have weekly callers. It's pretty great. I I, I appreciate that okay. he, he knows himself. He was like, you know, yeah. I'm not just about weird bagel stories. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll talk to you next week, probably about something stupid. Like, you know, like, first of all, that wasn't stupid. That was great. But like, yes. it's important to like, not put yourself too high on the high peg there. So yeah. good job. Well, I totally um, relate to what he was saying. I turned 40 this summer as well. And I mean, I think you guys know this about women, but when women turn 40, we become magical. There's just something that happens about women when we turn 40. We just, all those fucks we've been carrying around, they just start to kind of like fall away. And that happened to me when I turned 40 in 2017. I just, I had this party and I had like 13 girlfriends there and my best gay friend, Tommy, and we found my journals and we were like looking through them and reading them and crying and laughing. And I just remembered how much I love to write. And it spurred this like writing project. And so I wanted to write about this time in my life, this time in my life when I was like really into fish. And so I started listening back to all my old shows and remembering all of this stuff and writing about it. And it just became this huge inspiration to me. And ever since then, that's kind of what started me listening back to fish like really, really regularly and getting kind of lost in that world again. And that coincided with the Bigger's Dozen. And so it was this kind of like me going and seeing that first show on that first night and walking in and feeling the energy at MSG of like everybody just having this wild anticipation and like collectively feeling that. I will never forget riding the escalator up and just being like, feeling the energy from the crowd already and like we weren't even in the venue and I feel like the minute that show exploded with that hilarious cover it was it just was so perfect and joyful and fun and I remembered everything I loved about this band and it just all came like flashing back to me and it just that's the reason I started listening to HF pod was because the biggest dozen and because of this like coinciding of like my writing life reopening again and listening to all this music and it's just so I really relate to that caller because this, my personal life and fish kind of came back together again this year. And so this is definitely one of my all-time favorite years of fish. Brian, Brian, tell us about your 2017. Uh, I mean, a lot of the best parts of it coincided with fish, especially in the middle and late part of the year. Um, I launched a podcast for the first time in 2017, which I learned that uh, launching a podcast is partially about sitting in front of a microphone with a good buddy talking about music and mostly about organizing parts of your life so that you can record a podcast and then release <laughs> a podcast and edit a podcast. Uh, but it was a ton of fun to do that. Uh, Dave Goldstein and I launched beyond the pond in March and released a bunch of episodes and then, we did our first for the Baker's Dozen. We did um, episodes released around uh, current fish jams, which in the previous like 10 episodes, we'd only focused on the past. So it was fun to like learn how to talk about fish in real in real time, like what was going on related to the past. It was really helpful for me. I went to three Baker's Dozen shows, the middle three shows of the week uh, of the run, um, went up with my wife and son, stayed in Brooklyn, had an awesome time, saw a bunch of friends, saw three really great fish shows, and then ended the summer um, out at Dick's for the first time in five years. We went to those three shows, and while we were out there, we started house hunting, we started looking at schools, we started looking at uh, just a bunch of logistical stuff and made the decision that we would move to Denver 
in 2018, got approval at our respective jobs, transferred out six months later, which I'll talk about a bit in the 2018 episode. But uh, it was just, it was, it was kind of a big uh, turn in our lives where we'd been on the East Coast for about four or five years. A um, bunch of crazy stuff had happened. We were starting to come out of that and we were looking at Colorado as this kind of new start for us and going out for Dick's. Night One of Dicks is still one of my favorite shows I've ever seen. Uh, really jammy, really cool. Just a great reminder of why I loved that venue after having it kind of live in my brain for the previous five years. And being out in Colorado at that time of year, I was just like, this is where I want to spend uh, the rest of my life. So we uh, we started making those moves. It was good. What about you, Jay? I don't know, man. 2017 was like 10 years ago or something. Almost. Um, it all runs together more or less at this point. So I was in my mid forties, no milestones, no nothing, but I did see every single fish show I saw this year. I saw in New York city, which is weird. Wow. Yeah. I love um, that. <laughs> weird for me being yeah. from Virginia, but also it's they not don't my get fault. Enough fish there. Fish didn't mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. here. We don't. Um, I saw four of these Baker, Baker's dozen shows. Um, and, uh, and I gab, you know, I told you guys before we started, I can never remember the dates with the donuts and stuff. My brain is not wired in that way. Apparently, um, I remember other things, but anyway, so I saw four of them, uh, but not the one we're going to talk about today. And then I went to one of the shows in the new year's run. Um, and that show and the first of the Baker's Dozen shows that I saw were largely because we were doing live HF, HF pod events, which was fun and exciting. And that was kind of like maybe the new thing for me, getting up on stages or whatever, standing in the corner of rooms. I'm not sure the first <laughs> one was really on a stage, but um, but it was fun, you know, just getting in front of people talking, doing what we're doing here, but with like live people in the in the space and uh, realized I kind of like that, and uh, yeah. So, I don't know. Twenty seventeen. It was another year, right? We did some stuff. I want to say, totally. um, speaking speaking of live events in New York City, which you didn't really say that, but I just wanted to make a nice transition. I forgot <laughs> to say at the beginning. If anyone is in New York City and you want to come see some music on December thirteenth at Roberta's in Bushwick, I'm putting on a concert there with. Alex Skolnick and Ron Jackson, two amazing guitarists who are going to play like they're going to play an outrageous jazz guitar duo for this organization that I'm running called the Heritage Radio Network. So I'm going to post a link to that, but we're going to do an event on December 13th. It was just announced right now. So that is. I'll be there. Great. See? All right. We, cool. we have one person. Perfect. Um, guys, how about, I mean, it's, it's always good to start a day like today with some trivia. How, how do you feel about a little trivia? Can we do a little, do a little trivia? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is from Tony, who I think is also watching. Um, let's see, Tony. I'm, I'm, I'm. I think we'll. I think we're gonna get it. To be honest, but all right. Ready? Hello, RJ and Megan and crew. This is Tony. Happy Thanksgiving. I got a quiz about Baker's dozen, and I'm proud to say. I came up with this question all by myself. <laughs> the one song that dates back to pre-1990 that Fish has played at least more than five to seven times since COVID that they did not play at the dozen. So a popular song, a popular old song, 
they didn't play. The only one. I'm so bad at trivia. I remember when five we played to with seven times class. since COVID <laughs> is like good. that's it's not so it's not like not a lot. They played a, a lot of shit since COVID enough. at this point. Yeah, and it's a pre '90s song. I've got to guess, but I'm double checking if it's right. It's not right. Never mind. Yeah, Ryan's guess is a little off if it's a pre '90s song. Yeah. <sighs> hmm. Listening matters, Ryan Storm, with your guest <laughs> of waste. I'm just I, original? I guess it's got to be an original, right? Yeah, it has to be. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Hold on, but I don't remember all to... these set lists. Brian's got this. If anyone, yeah, here. if anybody's gonna get it, it's Brian. Uh, I don't got this. No pressure. Um, it's like watching sports and they, you know, invent a statistic. This is the first time that anybody <laughs> has kicked a field goal with a broken pinky on his left hand <laughs> while the wind was blowing from the southeast. My wife makes fun of that stuff all the time. I think Oliver. I think. So I, I think I Oliver, Oliver might. Oliver yeah, I'm, I'm looking it at it right now. So Tony. one. No, Slope. it's not the. Oh, look at eight two is the clue. Look at eight two. We can pop. hold on. I mean hydrogen. That's got to be it. Itches. That's got to be it because they didn't play hydrogen. Great call. That's a great call. Wow. Assholes. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, for sure, but eight, 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 eight to Mike's fish. groove is Mike's yeah. Oh Holy Night, which is one of my favorite yeah. moments of the whole dozen. Taste, which, oh my God, that jam rules. Wingsuit, Sally, groove. It's got to be hydrogen. Thank yeah. you for the hint. You know, nice, RJ. Thank you for the hint. Yeah, that's a um, really good that, one. How could they not play that? Just throw it somewhere. That's wild. That's wild. Three minutes of Brian Eno bliss. How do you not just like throw that randomly into a jam? My God. Um. I got, Okay. I'm going to keep things moving, guys. Is that okay? Or go ahead, Jonathan. No, Please. no. I got a, a brief tangential. So we had a, had a conversation on on the internets just yesterday, day before yesterday. Somebody was listening to uh, the Hampton 97 Mike's Groove, and he was describing it. And uh, and and I was like, mm, this sounds almost like my perfect Mike's Groove, except it's not. Um, but like, I want a, a a slow mic song sounds really cool, like a cool idea. They did that on that night. A swampy '97 week pop, but I want a brisk '80s tempo hydrogen. Like if you can do all three of those in one set, I wanted. Yeah, you know the ones like because it I that do. song it when it when they could really play it, they could just glide right through it. Oh, that's what yeah, I, bubbles. I don't do that. Oh well, I love that mic song though. That slow languid kind of just. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to ask right, you guys a question. We're 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 talking about Baker's dozen, obviously, because that's that's what we are doing. I'm going to play a voicemail that we got from from our first female voicemail um, caller awesome. so far. I hope we have more. Um, and then after this, I want you guys to tell me each your favorite moment of the Baker's dozen after Marilyn tells us hers. Okay. Perfect. All right. Here we go. It's all happening. Hi, HF Pod Turkeys. This is Marilyn from Austin, Texas, coming in hot on the hotline. Um, this being Thanksgiving week, there really, I felt, couldn't be a better time to thank you all for your many efforts in producing this amazing 40 for 40 journey through fish history. It has been so much fun to relive each year through the lens of not only the shows that I saw, 
but also my own life through all of these years that you all have reviewed. I also super appreciate the re-listen and album records. Shout out to Brian for sure for rekindling my love for the war on drugs, lost in a dream. Love that one. So, of course, you're all welcome. Well, to talk about 2017 without the Baker's dozen coming to the very top, as I know you all agree. And um, for me, I got to see the last five of those shows. Oh, what a trip! New York City, the best. I found the bands playing to be provocative, playful, full of risk, interesting, exotic, and definitely masterful. And of course, I could go on and on about all of that, as I know we all could. But a special moment for me was the heartfelt, wobbly voices of the band singing the final night's encore kickoff Ugh. on the road again. Being a long-time resident of Austin, which I am, um, which is the birthplace of Outlaw Country, if you didn't know, from the Armadillo World Headquarters, Threadgill, and also the home of Willie Nelson, hearing um, that surprise but fitting classic uh, performed by the world's greatest band in the world's greatest arena with my best friends, with the emotion of the band and the crowd completely in sync in serious completion of the whole project, everything they had brought to New York, their dream, everything they had to do with the Baker's Dozen. Um, To kick it off with that incredible classic was something so special. So, um, the life I love is making music with my friends. Indeed, right? So, thank you so much for everything you do for us. And I just thank you a ton. Um, Keep up the awesome work. RJ, Ryan, Megan, and Jonathan. Bye. Wow, that was a beautiful. Really message. great. Oh yeah, that is that a very awesome. Thanksgiving vibe message. I'm filled with good, good, really good warm great spirit right now. I love yeah. her pick, but Me I too. also am mad about it because when you told us you were going to ask us <laughs> ours, that's the very first thing that came to my well, mind. Well, that's fine. That's fine. And go, go ahead. For Add many it. of the same reasons, but in addition to you know just celebrating what they had done there but i feel like they were also acknowledging that like more to come and fish is going to do more and and i was uh, there on the side back corner of page side and when they put the banner up and when they did mm. this and i was definitely crying and smiling and Same. it was awesome it was awesome it was that uh, that whole night was so incredible. Yes. I I went down such a rabbit hole to get to that show. I could I went to three Baker's dozen shows. So I saw the first one and then I saw Maple Night and then I saw this the Glaze Night. And I wanted to go to that show so bad. And it was the only time I've like paid too much to see fish. You know, it was just like this isn't right. Did you though? It was like I didn't. It was totally worth it. Not and for I that went show. down this such a rabbit hole. I was right behind the stage, like right behind Fishman. And just watching a crowd when Isabella exploded was insane. Ugh. But the reason I really wanted to be there was for the Yem because it was like it that's not my favorite fish song, but it is kind of the fish theme song. And I just knew that the way that they were going to deliver Yam at MSG on that last night was going to be just so, just absolutely insane. And I felt like the minute 
I, I was playing it yesterday when I was cooking for my brother-in-law and we were listening to it and just remembering the way that the whole entire audience just lifted off the ground and MSG just totally like bounced harder than I've ever felt during that peak at Yam. It was, there was nothing like that. I was crying. I just felt like I'd been given the gift of the universe. Like it was, it was amazing. So that's my moment, the Yam on the last night. Sweet. Awesome. Brian. Uh, I'm just going to go with what I saw that is still one of my favorite musical moments I've ever experienced, uh, regardless of the band, regardless of the setting. And that was Drowned, uh, song I heard the ocean sing from Jimmy's Night. Um, I mean, I got 40 minutes of mind altering, insanely weird, interstellar, cosmic noise space from Fish. Uh, and I was like, you know, along the side of the stage watching it happen and, it was one of those moments where like they're playing this music and I had just like almost an out of body experience of like, do you realize what's happening right now in front of you? Yes. I realize what's happening. Right now in front of you. <laughs> Are you appreciating it enough? I think so, but should I appreciate it more? And just like sitting there being like, Holy fuck. Like they're yelling Jimmy now and there's some weird noises and the lights were insane. And you know, the fact that it then went into my first and only Harpua was this like, you know, you're like chasing certain songs throughout, you know, as, as you see more and more fish shows. And it was amazing to see it in MSG where my favorite version of that song was played on December 30th, 1997. It was just this like convergence of all these crazy things. Um, I don't know, like the way that they were playing by the end of that second weekend was, and we're going to get into it when we finally talk about this show, like, you guys are totally right. The special moments and like the, the, the peak emotional aspects of like Yem on the last night, um, everything that was being talked about in terms of on the road again and like the, the, the looking forward, but also looking backward, that sentiment and that like heartfelt nature, that's all a huge, 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 huge part of the Baker's Dozen. That's a huge reason why I love this period. For me, when I think about it though, like it's, it's the fact that it, it combines that um, goal of the long gig where they would just trap mm. everyone in a venue and just play and whatever weird music that they would play it, it ties to the um, roses are free from big Cypress. Like this is the way that music will sound at five o'clock in the morning when you've just been playing music for the last six or seven hours that happens during that drowning song. I heard the ocean sing like that to me is the intangible thing about fish that I, I just keep coming back for is when they get, so inside their heads that they're outside of their heads and they get so weird and the interconnected communication is just like happening. Once you got to that second, the end of the the second weekend of the Baker's dozen, those jams, as you move into the final week are weird. Like the golden mm-hmm. age is weird. The, the stuff from maple night is very strange. The mics in the Holy night, very weird. Uh, there's just a lot of like, you know, there's a celebratory nature, but there's also this like lab experiment happening. And it all happens in those two, those two jams in a way that I just, I love. And I go back to. It's funny. Cause you know, in the course of a tour that might be actually that long or longer, you hear jams kind of cycling in and out of similar themes and ideas, but they managed mm-hmm. to not do that. I know the way they did like say this past summer tour, they really kept injecting new ideas. Yeah, I feel like every yeah, night of the good. Baker's totally Dozen, thing. yeah, they played like it was their last night. Like they just played so, they left it all on the on the stage every night. It was just this creative, just 
blowout that I've just never, it just continues to blow me away. Like every time I listen to these shows, they sound so present when they're playing them and so inspired in a way that is pretty cool. I think they also tapped into that a little bit this summer with the seven night run at MSG, like that kind of creative kind of powerfulness. RJ, what was your favorite moment? Well, I just, a a couple things. First of all, we'll, we'll, Take this Ryan Storm comment into a different episode, um, which we'll have to, I mean, we'll have to do at least, I don't know, an hour and a half on this comment alone, which we don't, we just don't have time to do today. So I'm going to just want to bookmark this for later. Um, this can, is I, a, can I just quote our co-host? You got to say, well, say, hey, you gotta say what the I'll be, what I won't Ryan be comment is for okay. people who are not watching okay. the video. I don't want a Harpua ever. And I don't know if that's a play on, I don't want a goldfish and maybe he's maybe it's in jest maybe it's deep maybe it's a deep fake no i think he doesn't like no, he, no i know he I know. said too bad they ruined i was that trying to give him Harpua. the benefit You're trying right to be at nice. the same time brian was raving about and then they landed in harpua like that he'd been chasing for years so i don't think he's joking i don't, um, I don't think so all right well Okay, I just want to show you guys. I think Matt Dwyer took this picture um, on the. This is on the floor of of seven thirty. Yes. <laughs> yes. Probably in the middle of uh, drowned or. So one good. Of those. Love that. Um, okay. That's great. So, um, I, I told you guys this would be a text, but I was in um, I was in a box on on the chocolate night with like six of my best friends, and that chalk dust torture, which is one of my favorite jams of all time. That whole set, and I listened to it again today, and I can't believe how good that set is. You know, oh my like the, god! When Are they drop into you sexy thing, thing like oh. the whole place goes insane, and then they go back into it at the end of Mercury, and then there's oh. a number line which like was just so perfect at the time. And man, that jam though is like it's still it's so really, good. It's still would really, block really Fishman. Hits. My god! Yeah. Every time he does it, and like the lights just dance around. <laughs> oh my fucking god! And he okay. he go, and Trey brings it back. You know, like there's a, there's a like the peak at the end didn't have to happen. They could have just you know, and then he just oh, it's oh a glorious god. peak it's, too. It's very glorious, really great. Yeah. Okay. It's so good. So, so good. we we can't even like really we don't have time to talk about all the other shows before the Baker's Dozen and after and but we'll maybe we will in a bonus episode or something. Well, because <laughs> just because of stuff. But I know. I know. Megan, what do we, do we have to know anything besides anything besides before we go into this? Why don't I just do a quick quick run through? They okay. played twenty eight shows this year, so very few shows. It was basically just Mexico, a little summer tour before Baker's Dozen, a um, few nights, and then Dicks, and then New Year's Eve at MSG again. So pretty pretty tight. Um, trade is twenty four additional shows, a few acoustic, but most with Tab. Mike Gordon has a big touring year also. He even reunites with Russo and Benevento for a song at Halloween, which I wanted to mention because I'm really into that collection of musicians, which we talked about a lot during the hiatus years. Um, Fishman also performed at Hampton 70, which was a celebration for Colonel Bruce Hampton, the Fox Theater in May, which I just thought kind of cool to mention that. Jonathan, did you want to say something? Well, that's also the night we lost Colonel Bruce. Mm -hmm. Died on stage that night, so... Heavy, um, R.I.P. So I thought we should mention that. And then there were 30 songs that were debuted this year. Obviously, lots of Baker's Dozen covers, but but a few originals. Yeah, but 30 songs. Like, it's crazy. Um, A few original, most of which are going to end up on Sigma Oasis. Like, Everything's Right, Thread, and Leaves. 
So yeah, that's about it. We also have some albums that came out, but nothing like just a box set. We have the box set for um, August 16th, 1993 in St. Louis. Mm. And then there's um, three archival releases. So there's June 26, 95 from SPAC. There's oh. May 17th, 1992 from Schenectady at Union College. And then there's June 17th, 94 from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm. And then Where there's a live date. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. I mean, guys, 2017, they played 28 shows total the whole year. Is there like a better batting percentage for that no. number of no. shows? I mean, it's no. insane. Like, no. it's, it's not insane. Because it just seems so small, and to have so many great shows, crazy. Yeah, it's it's an interesting argument for like where we are at with fish right now. Um, you think about the 2023 touring year, and to an extent, 2022 as well, where you have these four Mexico shows, a little bit of shows in the springtime, summer tour, a little bit going on in the fall, and then end it all in MSG. It's very balanced now, and obviously, it's more shows more of like a deliberate touring year than it was in 2017, which the band I think announced at some point in the fall of 2016 that they were going to take a step back and they weren't going to tour as much. And the gift in return was the Baker's dozen, which I think it's this weird debate. Like, would you rather have a big touring year of fish or like fish throughout the year or this like very isolated, they throw everything that they have into this. I I, I can't answer that question, but I would say that the, the cons and pros and cons weigh themselves out a little differently depending on where you are. So I think plenty yeah. of people in other parts of the country or with very, you know, different jobs and whatnot might say, I'd rather they come closer to me. And obviously that doesn't work if they're playing 17 of those shows in Manhattan, in one area. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah. you know, it worked well for the music that we got for sure. This was also the Baker's Dozen they announced in advance would all be webcast. And it was the first time they did kind of a bit like they'd been doing webcasts up until that point with increasing regularity. But this was the first time like a huge chunk of shows. You could buy it all at once and it, it allowed everyone to enjoy this even from afar. Yeah, we haven't really talked about that, we kind of mentioned the webcast kind of in passing as just like part of our own experiences. But like there was, you know, they did the first couple and then they came like, you know, we'd see a tour laid out and there'd be no webcast announced. And then they would start to announce a couple and we start to right. think, well, OK, mm -hmm. this show's sold out. So they'll webcast it. Well, they won't sell, won't webcast it if they don't sell out. And this was the at least the speculative theory. I don't know that it was ever confirmed. Right. Um, but uh, and then oh they're they're gonna webcast the Saturday nights and you know they were it seemed like they were just continually testing the waters and then finally they're just you like, get a dicks all the time everybody get gets a webcast New Year's Eve but now mm -hmm. it was just like let's just webcast and let's just yeah. have everyone enjoy this um because I did you know I was I got to see a few Baker's dozens I didn't see most of them I felt like I enjoyed it in real time even from afar which was really cool yeah um can I just shout out a comment here really quickly yeah. Um, not to spotlight a single guest, but it does promote Osiris at large, which is the goal here, right? Can we do a Ryan Storm says, can we do a marathon 10 hour episode covering every 2017 show? I would argue in part that Undermine season three, which is a five part mini season covering the Baker's Dozen, does this. I would encourage everyone to go back and check that out. Good, good shit there. So good. Uh, dove into the Baker's Dozen thematically in a really cool way. So check that out if you have not. Right. Listened. 
Rainstorm, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> um, okay, where are we going now? We got to go somewhere. We got to go to Brian. I'll give you guys a quick overview of what's happening uh, in the world outside of fish, because there's a lot of world outside of fish happening right now. Um, two, three quick notes on television. Uh, the show Girls, which took place in New York City, concludes this year. Uh, Ken Burns put out the phenomenal Vietnam documentary series. If you have not seen that, I highly, highly recommend it. And season two of Master of None uh, uh, came out, which is my favorite season of that entire show. Uh, also of note, The Handmaid's Tale came out in 2017, which is a big show, very timely uh, for Terrifying. the period. Um, movies. We're kind of entering this period where there's not a lot of really good movies being released, but the movies that are good are awesome. Uh, I'm speaking specifically of Get Out, Dunkirk, Blade Runner 2049, uh, Phantom Thread, Darkest Hour, and my favorite of the Skywalker uh, 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 Star Wars, The Last Jedi came out amazing movie and then finally from a record standpoint this is a great year for music just a quick overview of what we have kendrick lamar's damn came out lcd sound systems great return in uh american dream the nationals sleep well beast slow dives slow dive fleet foxes crack up this was the 2017 was the return of aughts era indie rockers putting out their uh, midlife crisis records that were excellent. <laughs> uh, His Golden Messengers, Hallelujah, Anyhow, The War on Drugs, A Deeper Understanding. Ooh. Bob Dylan put out a three-part album celebrating the American songbook and specifically focusing on broken-hearted love songs in triplicate, one of my favorite Dylan records uh, of all time. And then two young artists, Julian Baker and Phoebe Bridgers, put out uh, two amazing records. Turn Out the Lights for Julian Baker and Stranger in the Alps for Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, really showcasing gorgeous record really showcasing kind of this emergent uh songwriting style that is uh in full swing uh here in indie pop so a lot of other great great albums i don't want to dive too deep 2017 is a killer year for records um check check those out can i just i just wanted to say something just this is a tangent but um when i got to interview his golden messenger a couple of years ago we talked about heart like a levy which came out in 2016 right the year before Yes, and then Hallelujah Anyhow came out the next year, and he told me about the how like the making of Hallelujah Anyhow was was like kind of a reaction to how much time and like purpose and planning and structure was put into Heart Like a Levy, and he just went in and like they just tried to do the opposite basically, he just went in and recorded, and it's so awesome. Like it's the total like just, let's go in the studio vibe and just. Yeah. And it just like um, works so well. God, yeah, love that album. it's a very loose listen. album in a really good way. Just yeah, listened to it good. yesterday. I listened to it very often. Um, thank you, Brian, for that. And I knew some of those movies and albums that you mentioned, so that was helpful <laughs> for me. Um, okay, Weird. so so like we got to get into the show. We're you know we're, we're we're making our way, but going into this, this was my pick. It was slightly controversial. Go ahead, Jonathan. Well, I was going to say, I wanted to address a comment and I tried to yeah. actually just address it in the comments thread, but for some reason didn't post. So I'll just say uh, there was a question uh, about release of the Baker's Dozen on vinyl and compact disc. And uh, there was a release of the entire Baker's Dozen on compact disc. It was 36 CDs. They did not release the entire Baker's Dozen on vinyl because that would be insane. And my wife would have divorced me because I would have bought it. 
Um, but they did do a sampler <laughs> on three CDs, six LPs. I have that. It's rad, yeah. but it doesn't really have anything from Jam Night. Nothing. I know. Very it's strange. wild, right? Yeah. Shocking. There's some really good picks and there's some. Yeah. That's a good, I mean, it's good stuff. I'm but, confused uh, about. Yeah. It just doesn't. Well, I mean, you know, you can't fit half of these on one single LP side. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's a little but weird. But there was a full CD box. Yeah. 36 discs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. Nope. Please continue. There's nothing to be sorry about. Um, there is some interesting picks on there. Um, but at least more made it. Um, okay, guys, when we were going into this week, this was my pick. It was slightly controversial, but I think my my take was if we're going to talk about this year, we have to go to the show that like best represents the year. We haven't done that for every year. Right. So, you know, that's that, that gets back to my comment at the beginning about what is this series even about? We don't really know, but we are here to, to talk about Jam Night. I mean, to me, I'd argue this is the like the best thematically planned show of 3.0 alongside the fuck your face show, not counting like Halloween and New Year's shows, although I think it's better than any of those, but there's just, it's, it's just a moment in time that is, it's just so, I mean, not to mention you get a 30 minute jam in each set, but you just, there are like so many moments in the show that are just like representative of the Baker's dozen representative of 2017 representative of fish as like the prankster, savants that they are it's just like it's just a man so magical but i guess before we get into the show i think can i can i play a voicemail from someone who who went to the show just to kind of sum up please this some of the fan base really more than anything but um this is kind of this is just like kind of a funny funny way to get into it not gonna get me now google hey this is adam long time lurker first time caller i'm going to try to <laughs> think version of my baker's dozen story because i got cut off the last time uh i was planning to do the weekend shows so nine out of 13 i ended up catching 12 of them and this is my story as to why that happened uh after the first weekend i was totally blown away uh the set lists were extremely varied at that point and so i had a um, you know, I felt pretty strongly that there would be no repeats in this run and really it was like a can't miss run. I work and live outside of the Boston area at the time. And so, you know, I was at work on Tuesday and around 3.15, 3.30, I texted my boss and I said, hey, I'm going to dip out early. I go straight to New York City up against uh, rush hour traffic, um, parked right by the garden, got a ticket on the way in. And, um, you know, caught the, the jam filled show. Uh, it was obviously amazing. And then I needed to head back home from the city after that. And I stopped somewhere to, to sleep a little bit on the way, made it back into work Wednesday morning. And there were some guys talking about the fish show last night, how epic it was. And I turned to them and I was like, oh, I was at that show. And they just couldn't really comprehend that at all because half the hour at that show last night when it was like first thing at work Wednesday morning. That's uh, so awesome. Not able to catch the powder show because of that crazy, you know, drive and staying up all night. But what I did do is I made arrangements to work from home midweek the following week so I did not miss any other Baker's dozen shows and that is why I caught twelve 
out of 13. Uh, anyways, love the podcast. Um, and yeah, looking forward to uh, the 2017 episode. <laughs> this is pretty epic. That's amazing. That is pretty amazing. Awesome. Commitment. Oh God. Yeah. No way. I, I probably would have said no if that like was offered to me that day. I'm like, ah, it's too much. It's <laughs> just simply too much. Um, all right. Jonathan. Craig Hilwig has an important yeah. comment here, though, mm-hmm. just with regards to this. The context, the show was undersold. They put a curtain up behind the stage rather than sell those seats. Um, Fish announced the donut for Jam Filled the, right after Velvet ended. It was, mm-hmm. it was the only – every other show was announced the afternoon prior to – the show taking place. This is the only donut that was announced days in advance as a way to uh, spur ticket sales, gather excitement. And it was for, I don't know, 36 hours on social media back when it was fun, like just amazing energy of people just being like, what are they actually going to do? Are they just going to play a jam? Like there was so much speculation, so much hype. Oftentimes that hype gets, tamped down by the reality which i would argue the band messes around with with the song selection of the opener of the song of this show i will not say anything more but oh my god they just they they nailed all aspects of this spoiler alert for sure (laughs) anyone who doesn't know what they played just you might want to turn it down for a minute while we read the set list um it's so ridiculous it broke the internet it was I, i remember i was on vacation i can't remember where maybe we were at the beach or something and matt texted me and asked if i was watching and I said, no. And he was like, you better get your ass to a stream right away. And that was like, you know, it like broke the internet. And it was just, man, what a what a ridiculous situation. Um, okay. So, John. RJ, I, before, before yes. we go into it, I do want to say I appreciate all the thought you put into picking this night. And I know why it was hard. Because we did talk about, you know, are we always going to pick the best show? And does that make the best conversation? And you know, each year, the best show of that year isn't always indicative or representative of that year as a whole. And so we've tried to think about like talking about the year and the show in context and what it represents for fish. So I think I know why you were like, is this too obvious or should I pick this? But I think you made the right call. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash helping friendly. That's distrokid with a capital K dot com slash VIP slash helping friendly for a special offer.
Thanks, Distro Kid. I think you're muted too now. Thank you, Megan. That's very <laughs> kind. I, it was it's it's so obvious, but also like too perfect. Um, it just to not talk about, yeah. So five song first set. All Jonathan, I wanted to just note that there's a stash played, um, and that's kind of all that happens, really. Um, yeah, this, yeah, that's it. We can just move on. One of the song. best, one of the it best first sets of all time. I mean, you mm-hmm. know. Fuck your face show first set is so awesome. I, they, they're 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 kind of similar in a lot of ways, you know. Intentional, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, drawing things out. And anyway, they open with sample, lawn boy into my friend, my friend into stash bathtub gin. If you saw that on paper and it was not part of this thing, and there was no internet, you'd be like, wow, that, that was like a really bad set. Like they made they there was a fire and they had to evacuate in the middle of the set or like. <laughs> you know the instruments stop working or something but man like you said brian i mean the, the from that from that moment in sample that note oh. that everyone knows it's just like it's on and oh there's God. so much to talk about but what um who wants to start i'll kick it off um i so i just want to tell a very brief story here to that relates to craig's comment um so i was living in annapolis maryland at the time i was i was going to the next weekend shows i had quit my job and for whatever reason my last day of work i put as wednesday july 26th and at the time when i when i did it i had no idea about these donuts or all this sort of stuff and i was just like cool we're going to the baker's dozen this weekend i'll work half a week thursday i'll be able to get us ready to leave amazing Sunday night, they announced the jam filled donut. And my wife turns to me and goes, you have to go. You're done. Like you have nothing else to do. You're just showing up. You're just a body. And I said, no, I need to be responsible here. These could be future references. Like I want to do right by them. I have like two projects to close up. And she was like, no, 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 no. You just need to go. You're an idiot. I didn't go. And I remember streaming the show and I started with sample and I immediately started laughing. And I was like, oh, thank God I didn't buy into the hype. They're just going to play like no kind of random songs and jam here and there, maybe for like a long period of time. And then they fucking jam sample. And I oh. started crying uh, and I lost it. And I just, I made a mistake. It was a big mistake. Um, no, the set is really cool. It's the inverse of what you would expect. Like you said, RJ, if you saw this on paper, you'd be like, maybe the stash and gin were good, but like, what the hell is with that opening trio of the show? Um, instead you get sample that jams, which has now blossomed into a jam vehicle. There's not a single jam charted sample before 725, 17. Since then we have 10, 26, 21, 722, 22, 8, 10, 22, uh, and 10, 14, 23. Really, really good versions. Mm. The 8, 1, 23 version, which opens the second set. Awesome jam. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, you can hear Trey, when he's singing the chorus, when they come back into sample, just like beaming, just so happy. The, the, the way the crowd reacts when they hear them go into the jam. Um, Lawn Boy is this just like wild sound check, loose, like pre-festival type of jam. It doesn't really sound, it almost doesn't sound like they're like going for anything other than to just like jam for the sake of jamming. And they rarely do that. Like one of the, weird things about fish is that they are a jam band who can jam at a moment's notice and they don't really do it. They, they have to find this very unique space where they're all communicating and or lawn boy just kind of sounds to me like four guys in a room just playing and they're vamping and they're peaking. And then they, how do we take this last note of the peak and turn that into a silent moment and then peak it again. 
it's not the most remarkable jam, but it is so much goddamn fun. And it's so crazy that this band took a, you know, early 20th century, uh, you know, um, lounge lizard type of song from Paige McConnell and turn it into a 30 minute jam vehicle and begged the question, is this still lawn boy? Uh, my friend, my friend listening back to this is maybe my favorite jam of the set. The latter section gets really pretty. Uh, it's atmospheric. It's, um, you know, that space that Jonathan loves in hydrogen, they reach here and it's just like a gorgeous little build. And then it kind of ends and we go into stash and gin. And you would think again, those are the two big jam songs. They're pretty straight, not played poorly. They're just, they don't really try to expand on them. And I love that little kind of wink from the band. You have so many classic versions of both of those songs that are the highlights of tours, of years, of shows themselves. And here they're just, here's Stash, here's Gin, and Set. We gave you everything that you needed in the first three songs. So uh, amazing. What you said, RJ, last thing I'll say, what you said about how this is structurally the best show in 3.0 aside from fuck your face. I totally agree. And it's something that it's, it's strange to me in a sense that fish doesn't do this more often because they are such pranksters and they are kind of like mad scientists in a sense that giving themselves a goal and then, you know, seeing how they achieve it is usually it results in really good things, but it's also cool that we only have a few examples of the band being like, we're going to go out there and we're going to try this specific thing. And they do it here, and it's very special. It's something everybody has asked for at least once in fish history. And uh, it's just what a way to hypercharge the Baker's Dozen going forward. So I'll shut up, turn it to one of you guys. Yeah, I agree. I think that for me what stands out about this set is the band's ability to troll the audience and create these like yeah. long-term jokes. Like making this is the still lawn boy. Like Jonathan has that shirt on today. Like – to, to take a song like that and explode it in this way is such a troll and also just continues to build that kind of like community language and inside jokes that we all have together that the band is so good. And here they are coming out. And I think, yeah, that moment when sample drops, the crowd, even on like the, you know, archival release, you could just hear the crowd just absolutely roar. And the band just sounds like they have them in the palm of their hand the whole entire show. It just sounds like they're just fucking with the crowd the whole time. And it's so much fun, the power and authority. And I totally agree. You can hear Trey smiling when they re-enter the song and sing that last chorus and sample. But I, I think this Lawn Boy Jam is just cool. It's like sounds really like authoritative and powerful in the beginning. And then they just kind of go everywhere. And it's it goes kind of all over the place. But I think that the ending section that I, is what I love the most, it's like really evil and foreboding. And then you've got that like mm -hmm. wild thrashing peak. And then to end in a song like My Friend, like that is perfect to me. And right away, this jam is interesting and totally different than Lawn Boy. Like you said, Brian, it's beautiful, super layered. It's like this micro jam, but it's like really, really fascinating. And I think the Stash and Gin are played so well. Like Stash has that tremendous, like cacophonous peak to it, which is really fun space to get into. And again, even though it's wild, they sound really in control, which I felt like this show has so much of that, of this looseness, but 
but they're in control the whole time, which I think is a really hard place to be. And I think it's what you're saying a little bit, Brian, that when they set themselves kind of boundaries or a goal, and then they play wildly within that, that's when you get to like really, really cool spaces. And again, this beginning of, of Jin when Trey's like, Oh, like he's so (laughs) into it. And like, he's just like, he's having so much fun. He's just feeling it. And you can, I, I think this set's incredible. Definitely one of the best first sets ever. They turn the whole thing on its head, right? So they yeah. jam the songs that don't jam. They don't jam the songs that do jam. Um, the the sample, it's funny though, the sample jam to me is just kind of like, it's it feels more like a proof of concept than the mm. actual like, like, I'm glad, Brian, you gave us a list of some others because they've definitely done it better. Yeah. Or, not more importantly, yeah. but better. Right. right. Exactly. Um, it was like, ha, we can break that out of the mold, but it's still, it, it, it's a wild sound. It's very interesting, the stuff that Trey plays on that jam. It's just, it doesn't add up to me. But um, in taken in like this is this is fish jamming, but it, it's a weird jam. I feel, uh, but it also lands like so concisely, just as concisely as it departs, that it almost feels like they wrote a jam for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which I know they didn't, but it just it, it's like it's like they like here's where I'm gonna go, and like you he can't wait to go there. It's so funny. Trey is like. He's so funny when you when you know he's he's got a joke on the tip of his tongue. He, he he's, yeah. he's ready, just dying to to let it out, and so you can feel that energy in the music. Um, and then the lawn boy, I I just love it. You guys have said great things about the about it, so I won't say a lot, but I just love the the way it is structurally diverges. So like, okay, they've done this sample, they've done this jam, now they're gonna play lawn boy, and everybody again is just like, oh, lawn boy. Are they gonna they're not gonna this fucking lawn boy page gets up <laughs> and then Mike does his solo and then like if you're listening to it not and you didn't weren't watching like if you're watching you can see Paige is getting the guitar but if you're just listening you then you hear um Trey go sing the last line out of Mike's solo and go Paige McConnell like wait that's not normal and then the guitar comes in like what is happening and like you know, not only do they jam the slum boy, but Paige gets this real like rock star moment soloing on the guitar at the front. Like, Love it. like he only gets in Frankenstein and it's awesome. It's just so cool to hear and to hear that synth sound and, uh, and then to just keep going and going and going. Uh, my friend is rad and the stash and gin are, perfect not big just perfect and that's i mean i can't ask for anything more from a stash i mean i can (laughs) want for more but i can't it's not fair to ask for anything more does that make sense after 11 14 95 we've gotten everything we could have ever asked for from that that song has delivered it could like keep playing it well cool um I think this is the closest they've ever come to their pulling off their dream of locking the audience in the arena and giving everyone a one phone call and a you yeah. know sleeping bag. You know, this is like for all the reasons that you guys said. Um, another a song that Lawn Boy is a song that I think 
another Tom Tom and Trey written song that just doesn't like get enough. It's such a great. The lyrics are great. So clever. It's very <laughs> it's clever. So clever. It's such a smart like. And then Paige made it into you know this this thing that is now it's just it's wild. But um, yeah, I don't really have anything to add except for wow, ridiculous. I, I like that in the in the Lawn Boy Gym itself. There's like 15 minutes of just driving forward and then there's a peak Mm -hmm. and then like it starts to kind of like it could it could stop you know and then trey starts this like isabella type up tempo riff that just is like it's fucking jam night you know and you just and it just doesn't slow down at all and then they bring it home to this like crazy finish and dissolves into my friend i mean what a what a what a spectacle man really awesome like better than i better it was better right. this time than it was like the last time i listened which was probably like a year or two ago just crazy yeah i think also to your point two things that you said um the is this still lawn boy meg you talked about this as well but like it we we could spend way too long here going into this but there are so many new jokes that are invented over a three week three week period in time in fish history that totally. came out just of this period that have like sustained the last six years um six seven years which is really cool that like you think about 2017 fish they're 35 years into their career at that point in time most bands are not inventing new jokes and new ways of communicating themselves to their fans at 35 years and fish has done that and then some um but then also the the nature of the lawn boy and we'll get into it with the second set as well because there are two gems that do this in the show that peak get quiet and then peak again that is something that didn't really happen in a lot of jams leading up to the baker's dozen Mm. not just the can we jam anything can we take something to a new place but once we get to that peak what's on the other side and that's where really interesting stuff tends to happen and since the baker's dozen you've heard that over and over and over again where jams get to like 17 18 minutes and then we get an additional 9 10 on top of that and that last 9 10 minutes is often where things get really uh really weird and really exciting so this kind of broke that open in a really cool way um I want to set up the second set for Jonathan with a, vo- a voicemail. Maybe the last one we'll be able to listen to because it is, it is, and it, I don't, Brian, I don't know when you're supposed to be at Best Buy or if you're leaving soon, but we need to get on with our Black Friday shopping. Um, oh, so. I was there this morning, so don't worry. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Jesus I Christ. have to go to the coast. You have to go to Megan has to go to the coast. I actually got a text from my friend Tim, um, who was one of the people I was with at, at the chocolate night and at seven thirty that said I'm at Best Buy and he wasn't joking. So people still do it. Um shout out to Tim, North North Little Rock, Arkansas, Best Buy hopping. Okay. Here, let's do this. Maybe this is the last one. If we don't get to Derek, Derek is a long is a many time guest um on many Quick time, Hits. Many time. Yeah, and sorry, Derek, if we can't get to yours, but um, we will. We will. Um, okay, let me try this. Let's try this. Hey, uh, Brian Kelly. Uh, I thought I'd call and weigh in on Jam Night, one of my favorite nights from one of my favorite couple weeks bands ever in life. Got so, so, so comfortable uh, at MSG, even though I've been seeing shows there for years, but this just took it to another level. You know, we knew the staff, we knew the people sitting around us. It really, when everything felt like a community to me, but anyway, I wanted to say two things. One, um, I know Lamp, uh, Lawn Boy wins on novelty, uh, but 
I think that the cross-eyed and painless is criminally underrated, not just in terms yes. of Baker's Dozen Jams, but I think had that been played in any other show uh, and maybe any other run, it would be a consensus jam of the year. I think it's a way more impressive accomplishment, multi-phase, you know, journey. Um, that, that just, I, that's, that's my, that's the jam I put on when I want something in that, you know, 30, 32 minute stretch, even though it's got such good competition. The other thing that's amazing, um, I know a lot of people are going to talk about, uh, the sample moment. It will forever make, you know, the hair on my arm stand up. But one of the things I wanted to point out was, you know, the roar wasn't just one of co- co- complete collective effervescent joy, right? It was also a testament to me of how dialed in and closely listening our audience is at this point. I mean, yeah, plenty of people are still here to party. Plenty of people still relatively new getting on the bus and, you know, aren't microanalyzing everything. But if you listen to when that roar starts, it is moment mm-hmm. after sample deviates from the norm. I mean, no other fan base in the world hangs on every note and is going to get 20,000 people to lose their shit at the same time because you strum a few chords different than what normally happens. <laughs> what a great point. If there was any moment that must have underscored to them how game we all are and how along for the ride we all have been over the years and how closely the reciprocal energy thing is that they've created in the community. I mean, what a moment. All right. Have a good show. Can't wait to listen. Bye-bye. Yeah. Such a great point. If uh, Taylor took a guitar solo on blank space, like you know, would the would, wouldn't the audience go nuts? Wouldn't the entire stadium go, "Holy shit, what just happened oh, yeah. here?" You know, Probably. and I and the very minute it deviated because you know that fan base but, is also obsessed. That's because Fish has played sample the same way for you know thirteen years at this point. And suddenly it is, you know, without a misplaced note, without a change. 23 years, I think. 23. 23. The whole point of sample was to be a like packed rock song. It's a radio song. Over and over again. It was supposed to be the radio song. And the fact that they took that out. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, uh, that's an absolutely brilliant point. And um, every time you think you are too obsessive or thinking too much of this band just know that there are thousands of other people out there who are doing the exact same thing as you are probably at that same moment you are in fact not alone as they say in thread as they accuse fuego into thread into cross-eyed into makasupa into end of session debut into tuesday into cavern the encore is julius into lawn boy uh who's gonna who's gonna take us on this second set i'll go i'll go but I'm not going to talk about Fuego and Thread, although they're cool, um, you know, good jams. Uh, but I'm here to talk to you about Cross-Eyed. I will say of Thread, I'm waiting for the Steam Thread Epitaph uh, box Same. set to 12 inches or whatever he's got to do to put it on vinyl for me. Come on, Tom, get it with Thread. <laughs> make it happen. Let's do the thing. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so... I love all of that. Fuego Jam is cool, but I texted you guys 
that the um sorry i'm learning that we have to spend a bunch of money on a car repair right this very second it's very exciting um yeah it learned that the i i told you guys earlier that the cross-eyed is probably my favorite jam since 1.0 and i'm Listen to it a few times since I told you guys that, and I am certain that this is my favorite jam since 1.0. I don't that. think I can put it up against, you know, Big Cypress jams or 95 stuff right now. Just not, probably never will because I don't like to really rank. But as far as favorites go, this is really up there. This is so good. I mean, I feel like the song. Um, it starts at this kind of a moderate tempo for cross-eyed cross-eyed sometimes comes at blaring out of the gates and, um, it is, uh, this one's kind of moderate for this song and, it, but by 10 minutes they've already fallen out into this like very serene space. Um, Trey's like rolled off all the attack on his tone. So instead of notes hitting like bow, they hit like, Wow, they kind of roll in on you, mm, and yeah. uh, and he's just playing just like really kind of lovely melodies over this vibe. And Fish just, just keeps the tempo going, page comping, and and uh, then he brings the attack back in his tone, gets this nice little like lilting piece, and you can hear Page following and complimenting on the on the piano, and uh, uh, they keep pushing, keep pushing. Mike's all dialed in. They come to this major key peak at like 16 minutes which kind of repeats and goes even higher pushes it's like a two minute long peak and then uh trey just drops down on a chord and the echoes kind of uh reverberate around and the whole band kind of just mm. dissolves fish even eases back page kind of tinkles in the piano and they go into a real space bikes up and hitting some high notes it's not not rhythm no rhythm here almost um fish is just doing light fills to kind of maybe remind them that there exists a one uh it is so amazing page moves to the synth mike's dropping these like gravity well bombs mm. and uh and then trey's doing these like laser freaking sounds i mean it's absolutely nuts and so, so but and they they stay out there for a couple minutes it's like 23 minutes when trey starts strumming back to a build kind of slowly it's um page picks up then mike then fish and it's got kind of like overtones of caspian at first it's mm -hmm. like a little like maybe mm -hmm. we could go to a caspian build can you imagine the outcry if this had turned into caspian at this moment i mean some of us like caspian but you know there would there would have been some complaints um and trey starts trilling they, they they go faster than caspian ever would so they kind of blow right past that idea if it was ever an idea it gets melodic page goes back to the synth and trey is uh, trey mike and fish are like almost playing cross-eyed while page takes this great synth solo they're mm -hmm. like they're right about there they're all about on tempo um but page is not playing cross-eyed which is cool really cool shit from mike under that solo and then 29 minutes they build again and it's maybe 30 minutes they're fully back in cross-eyed at a great clip what what an epic piece like they could have never come back to cross-eyed nobody would have ever complained but they came back to cross-eyed so elegantly so perfectly that they book in this thing it is all it is it is a monumental piece of music 
Makasupa is like almost an afterthought. Like it's just like, hmm, let's do a little reggae for a minute. And then I want to say end of session. Um, mm. This yeah. is like, they approach this vibe that this song has kind of regularly. It's not mm -hmm. completely mm -hmm. foreign to fish, even though this song had only been played, has never been played, but this time, I think. And they could definitely, I would like them to know this song enough to do it maybe once, twice a year, just a little bit. Yeah, me too. You know, like, and maybe, maybe really fuck with people by playing it out of like beneath the sea of stars so that uh, all the people <laughs> who took downers are like napping um, and they could just tuck them in <laughs> with this piece before they come back with Tuesday, which is like great, like kick, kick in the face. I really like it here. Um, I, I mean, it's, a, I think of it as a tab song, but I really like it here. Um, uh, cause it's just great energy delivery for, to close out the show, close out the set. Um, it doesn't close out the set, but it, you know, it leads us to the close with Cavern, which of course is rock and roll. Uh, what a great, look, it's a great cross side. It is a monumental piece of music in a good set, great set in a great show. Fucking love it. I will, uh, yield the remainder of my time. Jonathan, that was awesome. I think the thing that stands out to me about this set is that it has massive flow, even though if you look at it on paper, it should not. Like these songs, if you looked at them just the way that they said, it shouldn't have any flow, but it totally does. Because I think there's just this commitment to just exploration in a set that just sets it so apart. I mean, that's the whole show, obviously. But yeah, I think what you said about the cross side is beautiful. It's a perfect psychedelic journey. And it, coming out, I think Fuego actually really works well here because the jam is super democratic and it they just don't sound like they're in a rush at all. And they have this like the end of it is like this determined kind of like pulsing beat. And then the way that thread comes out of that is like so perfect. And this song that's that was only the second time played and it's only been played six times now since 2017, which is just wild. I don't know why it's not played more because I think it's perfect, especially in this kind of a set. And then, yeah, the cross-eyed, Jonathan, you did I'm not going to walk through it because you did it perfectly. But to me, it's just the perfect psychedelic journey. You know, it has all the things you want. It has like the groove space to begin with. That's what I love when I want to hear like fish. I want to dance. I want to groove. And then it, you get to get weird. And then you have that like that moment at the end that's like, it's like the moment when you pull an all-nighter and the sun begins to rise and you have that like hopeful feeling and you're like tired and you're like worn, but still really hopeful. And that is like so beautiful in this part of that of the jam. And then it gets kind of like darker slowly. And it has that great segue back into the song that you talked about. And I think this Makasupa is earned. Like Makasupa is not my favorite song, but if you're going to play a jam like that cross-eyed, you can have a Makasupa. It's so fun. And this is a fun one too. They have like their each little solo part and, you know, kind of like have fun and just be light. And then it melts into the, yeah, the debut of End of Session, which I agree, beautiful. It was also played in um, Fall of 21 in Oregon, but that's the only other time. Um, but yeah, please play this Give me more. more. It's so gorgeous. It's, yeah, it's my favorite vibe for sure. It's like hydrogen. What's the use? Like it just has that, that beautiful space to it. I love it. And I think ending the set with Tuesday and Cavern, like you said, Jonathan, just buttons on the end. And Cavern is like, Cavern is the song that like, I remember when they played it on 203018 in the, they had like a four or five song encore and they played it in there. And it's just, it's so power and it's so just like, old school fish that you just want to like rock to. And I think it's just the perfect set closer. 
Yeah, I mean, you guys have said it really well. I'm just going to focus on two things really quick. Um, one thing I love about this band is when they, and I talked about it with regards to the Drowned, a song I heard the ocean sing, where they are pushing through regardless of if an idea is going into that kind of like heroic celebratory place. Um, they're pushing through like musical challenges in the real in in real time. And I think that this Fuego, I think you're right, Megan. It is very democratic, but it never fully like clicks and leads mm-hmm. to a moment of sustained brilliance, sustained bliss, and so many times, especially like late nineties, 2.0, this would happen. They would play a jam. It wouldn't totally work and it would kind of spin out the rest of the show and the, and it would mm. definitely impact the vibe of the show. And I think one of the things that's so fascinating here is you have this Fuego that like I, I do enjoy, but like it never, they never fully all align. And rather than it affecting the show in a negative way, two songs later, we get one of the best jams that the band has ever played in the cross-eyed and painless. And it to me is just like a continued argument for just trying to connect musically in, through improvisation. And yeah. we hear can it I, in this cross-eyed. Can I ask for a clarification? Is this sure. one of the best jams they've ever played in a cross-eyed and painless? Or is this one of the best jams they've ever played from this cross-eyed and painless? Yeah, I like think which, which are you saying? Latter. I think the latter. Okay, I think just, that it I is. I thought so, but yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You're right. I, I think I think the latter. I think that this um, this is my favorite jam of the show. It's one of my favorite jams of the overall Baker's Dozen. I think the Baker's Dozen is one of the only three week periods where we have like five jams that are some of the <laughs> yeah. best jams the band has ever played because of this exercise that they're doing. Um, this to me, like that moment that you described so well from like 1940 to 23, 25, when Trey starts to reemerge, that's the kind of space they never totally allowed themselves to be in outside of the storage jam, the drive-in jam. And they're doing it in front of an audience. You hear multiple times the audience rise up in a swell as though, wow, that was a great jam, guys. It's over. Let's go to the next song. And the band's like, no, 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 there's 12 minutes left. We've still got more to say. And they keep saying it. And that last peak is so beautiful. And that's the type of stuff that just doesn't happen unless you get through uh, that segment. The the only other thing I want to say um, is end of session. Uh, agree with you guys completely. I wish this was played more. It really reminds me, though, the debut of it here reminds me of when they debuted and so to bed on 10, 15, 21. And there's mm-hmm. a few songs like this still lingering in fish history that were played at some point in time. Oh, well, right, right on, Nathan. Um, were yeah. played at some point in time and then lost to eternity. Bliss was another example of this and came mm-hmm. back in these later stages of. Um, of uh, a fish's career. And it's really cool to see them digging that far deep back into the well, if you will. Um, and, uh, and finding that blue Jay on the rainbow. Chillwig has an extremely chillwig take here. That the Baker dozen was all about the moments. And in between those moments was a lot of medium fish. So I think Baker's dozen benefits from a lot of nostalgia and selective memory. Craig is such a harsh critic. Can I, I just them. say though? Can I? I don't want to be a downer. I, I do think that Craig is right though. The yeah, band is much too. tighter and much stronger now, and they were much tighter and much stronger mm. in 2015 than they were in 2017. And I think that part of it speaks to more playing leads to the band being tighter. Yeah. But what you're sacrificing with the tightness, you're getting with these types of moments and this type of experimentation that is not going to happen. Um, uh, it, it's it's a give and take in a, in a sense. Such mm-hmm. high level of creativity 
in and around those media moments that uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. Like yeah, 2015 had a lot. 20, 1995 had a lot of medium fish moments. Just medium was a lot higher back then. And as Craig says here again, easy to forget that the slop is a byproduct of the no repeat gimmick. When you're playing a song once, you're, yeah, you're not exactly. going to nail it. And so yep. it's it's a give and take. I, I totally, yeah. I don't disagree with him, but also I think there's You're reasons. debuting like 30 songs. I mean, right. you're not going to be playing them all perfectly. And you only play 28 shows. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. And how many yeah. shows? Exactly. I mean, that's like more than one new song a show. I just want to wrap it up by saying that um, I, I think the banter in Makasupa is really like representative of of... There, there's not a ton of banter in the Baker's Dozen, really, um, given, I mean, there's like Harpoo, which is, you know, different and awesome. Um, but like, you know, Trey is clearly expressing gratitude. And I wonder if any of that was pre-written because he does a really good job on the on the on the spot of rhyming Paige and Mike's names. And I thought it, I think it's like it all comes across <laughs> very like. It's it's just very like generous of him, and I think that it's like it just kind of sums up the show in a great way. Um, really, pretty pretty awesome awesome show. I, I got to think he thinks about these things, you know. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, the jamming quote with Mike, you know, there it was it was good. It was all it all worked. Perfect. Yeah. It all worked. Um, okay, so yeah, I mean, wow. That's that's that I think we did it. Jonathan, your your description of the cross side jam was just perfect. So I don't I don't think we can even say really? anything else. Yeah, I actually um, took notes for a change. <laughs> who knew? It's who that knew important. Welcome to our down. world. It is that important. Um I wanna just say before we wrap up that um there is there's I said that the um chocolate night was one of my top five musical moments of, of my life in terms of live music. And another one happened in 2017, December 11th, 2017, with two of the, two of you guys. That was Amazing. one of the best shows I've ever seen. This Golden Messenger at the 930 Club. We were all up front. It's still like one of the best shows I've ever seen. Like ridiculous. Yeah, that was that was as heartfelt those, as it those, gets. That those dudes. Look at those dudes. That was great. Uh, got Aww. a lot of good pictures from that rail. That was so fun. Remember Jonathan when he was like looked at your hat and then started teasing uh what what was what was it was it Franklin's or Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. That was awesome. That was a great way to close out a, an amazing year of music. Um so I guess we roll on to twenty eighteen next week. This week. Yeah. It's your pick, this right, week, Jonathan? Next week. Uh yeah, I don't know what it is, but we'll we'll I'll come off it in next few hours maybe. I think um, maybe if we can do a bonus episode like later this weekend or sometime soon, maybe we can get into some of, the, of our other highlights from the Baker's mm-hmm. Dozen because we didn't really get That'd to. That'd be fun. There, there's so much. There's so much. Um, okay. Anything else to say, guys? So much. So much to say, but so little time. Uh, this was, you know, as 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 the person who pushed back the most on you picking this show for for a variety of reasons. <clears throat> Powder is the greatest Baker's Dozen show. Uh, this was a really enjoyable conversation. I, I really appreciate you picking this because it, it allowed us to not only focus on the really cool experiment of this show, but also what made 2017 so special, which is really condensed into what this show is. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we did it because, I, as I, I think I may have said, I don't listen to these shows the way a lot of people do and have. I just don't. I haven't gone back and listened to these in so long. Um, this was, I mean, this is, it's all really good. Or 
you know, uh, the good parts are really good and the rest are meh, right, Craig? Um, but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of really good parts and yeah. uh, it, it's fun. It's fun to visit. Yeah, really, really fun. And we will we will touch on some highlights in our bonus episode because we do have to get through some of this stuff that we haven't we haven't even talked about powdered. We haven't talked about I mean, I can't start talking about them or then we'll talk about them. So we'll talk about them on a bonus <laughs> episode. And maybe that Chicago simple too, outside of the Baker's dozen. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys. As I mentioned at the beginning, we are it's amazing that almost eleven years into this, we're we're about to hit two million downloads of this podcast, which is just incredible. I never could have imagined anything like this. So thank you guys for listening and supporting and all the voicemails. Keep the voicemails coming. They're making this series even more fun than it was before, which is hard. Hard to imagine. So they're gonna make our twenty twenty four series even more fun as well. So keep them coming. Yeah. That's true. And- yeah, we have a uh, stuff coming up. Yeah, we have a 2024 series that possibly is going to be even more controversial and crazy than this. So, oh no, it'll be more controversial. <laughs> We're going to piss so you excited. off. I'm already mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's Brian true. White Brian Whiteboarded. What what could we do that would make everyone mad? And was that a whiteboard? I just for don't hours? know where he found that much red yarn in Colorado. Like <laughs> it's gonna be epic. All right. Everywhere. I'm grateful grateful for all of you out there and, and for you, Megan and Jonathan and Brian. Thanks for making this fun. Thank you guys. Likewise. Thank you, all. you guys were awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you all. everyone i'm hal schwartz and i'm flynn mcclain together we host none but the brave a podcast dedicated to the music and career of bruce springsteen bruce and e street band are on tour right now for the first time in six years and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes we've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests including rock journalist warren zanes and stephen hyden backstreets magazine founder charles cross and barstool's kirk menahan if you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. Got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast.